Thank you kindly for supporting Brother Gabbard with your presence as well as your gifts. I really got a lot of help out of him. It was a blessing and uh, helped me to get my awe back. Amen. Amen. I, I love the old man of God. He's, he's always got something. Yeah. He's always got something. He, he's a thinker. And uh, Colossians chapter number 3 verse 1, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, and set your affections on things above and not on things of earth. And uh, we've been chewing on those verses. It's hard to get past them. We, we notice that there's a decision there. If you be risen, you must decide to receive Christ and become a child of God. It's based on your decision, what you do with God. And then there's a direction. Seek those things which are above. And then we talked about setting your affections on things above, not on the things of earth. For ye are what? Dead. That's, that's how God views you. Uh, that's your standing right there. God sees you as dead in the flesh. That's what He sees. But we're alive spiritually in Christ. God, before we were saved, seen us both dead spiritually, right? And we were alive physically, but he, we were still declared as one of the dead. Now we're considered raised from the dead. Our position now is in Christ, not in Adam. And how God views us is our standing versus our state. My standing is I am dead. Now I can choose to make the flesh alive and activate it and walk in it. And God doesn't want me to do that. That can be the difference between my state, my condition. Am I walking in the spirit or am I walking in the flesh? If I walk in the spirit, I won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. But if I walk in the flesh, I won't fulfill the desire of the spirit. They're contrary to one another, so therefore I can't do what I ought to do. Right? So the decision is mine how I'm going to do it, how I'm going to handle things. And that's why it's best to start off with prayer. That's why it's best to start off with reading your Bible. That's why it's best to start off your day with God. To put the best foot forward and sit back and say, God, I'm choosing to follow you and submit to you and yield to you, putting on the whole armor of God, walking in your yoke, do what you want me to do. This way, uh, you reckon yourself dead. Brother Lovell used to look at himself in the mirror and said, by God's grace, nobody's going to see you today. You're dead. You're nothing. You're nobody. You're crucified. <laughs> and he used to look at himself in the mirror. And I don't look at myself in the mirror because I don't want to vomit the first thing in the morning. Amen. But listen, I'm just trying to tell you, I know who the rascal is. That guy right in the mirror is giving me 99.9% .9 of all my trouble. Yep. And because I yield to him and walk in him and allow his thoughts, his ways, his motives, influence my spiritual walk and decisions in life, that gets me in a lot of trouble. But if I yield to the Spirit and what he thinks yep. and follow his mind... Well, that saves me a lot, of, a lot of strife, a lot of contention, a lot of problems if I just yield to Him. I don't know about you when you walk through your day. And as you walk through your day, I don't know how much the Holy Ghost talks to you and how much Scripture rises up in your brain. But Scriptures rise up in my brain, and one of the frequent ones that rise up in my brain is a wise man with his lips. A wise man with his lips. Just keep your mouth shut. 
You don't have, you don't need to throw your comment in there. You understand? But all I got to say is good. But you, they don't need to hear your wisdom, okay? And I got to deal with that thing all the time. What's he say in James chapter three about a perfect man? He can, he can control strong. He, he knows how to bridle that thing. If I, if I, if I can turn around and hold that thing, <laughs> oh man. I can become a perfect man. But every day I find out I'm imperfect because I don't know how to keep that thing from spewing out any poison. It might be down here in its reservoir. See, the heart's the reservoir of the tongue. And the tongue's attached to that thing. And it just it just likes to air. And you know what? I, I just and those verses of scripture just gotta flood my mind, right? Out of the abundance of heart, the mouth speaketh. Right? And then worldly thoughts come in. If you can't say something good, don't say nothing at all. So, right? And then one my dad always said, he misquoted Proverbs all the time, but uh, something my dad said all the time said, better be thought of fool than open thy mouth and remove all doubt. All doubt. <laughs> Amen. My dad quotes that all the time, and, I, and that little thought just runs in my head all the time. Amen. And then I want to go tell somebody something, and the Lord talks to me and says, you know, you just need to go back to work. What you got to say really ain't going to change life. Ain't going to help nobody. You know, just your two cents just don't matter. So just go back over there and do what you're being paid to do is work. So I walk back with my tail between my legs and take a sigh and go back to work. Amen. And uh, listen, that, I love it when the scriptures talk to me. When I see something, something happens, a verse pops in, right? Ain't that a blessing that the Lord just got a verse right there? That's, listen, that's putting on the armor of God. That's having your mind where it ought to be, right? I've been listening to Dr. Ruckman, having a wonderful time in Ezekiel, amen. And uh, just listening to him run rabbits is a ball. I mean, it, you'll laugh. I mean, I listened to Sam Gipp yesterday. Had a good time listening to him about correcting the new Bibles. And, and uh, he's showing me how to correct the Bible. I was having fun learning how to correct the Bible, amen. And uh, he was having a time, and I just enjoyed all that stuff. And uh, that's a whole lot better than me just talking about foolishness. And Gabriel, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I took a big step today. He said, why? I walked over a guy. They asked me to do something when a guy was released from the shop, and I volunteered to do something, and I, I unvolunteered today. Amen. I said, this year when fantasy football comes up, don't sign me up. I don't look at it. I don't study it. I don't watch it. I'm not going to be part of it, okay? So uh, I said, I just, don't, I just don't want my mind bogged down about all the NFL football players. I don't even want to be thinking about that stuff. I want my mind on the things of God. You understand what I'm saying? When I go log on to computers once in a blue moon, I really don't want to log on that thing and be chasing NFL. I'd rather be trying to figure something else out. And keeping up the stats. I'm not against anybody that wants to do all that. I'm just, I just put my name in a hat real quick to back out. You say, why? Because I want to think about different things. Right? Amen. Besides, I probably won't have one in a FEMA camp anyways. And I probably won't be in a FEMA camp long because FEMA camp is probably going to be for people that can rehabilitate and re-educate. And I'm, not, I'm unre -educationable. Amen. For your what? Dead. Dead. And your life is hid. Praise God. Can the devil get to me? Let me ask you a question. If you're dead in Christ and you're hid, can the devil get to you? Well, they were arguing about the body of Moses. But, but if you're hid, if you're hidden, right, who can get to you? 
if you're hidden in Christ, in God, how can the devil get to you? Spiritually, he cannot. You're protected. You have a divine protection there, a security system that the devil cannot get and possess your soul, period. Now, I say this all the time, and I mean it, and I wish we could have it on Harry Nix's tape. Him and Shannon Nix sang this song, and we had a coke spill, and it destroyed the tape. But they sung a song called, Nothing Can Touch Me That Doesn't Pass Through His Hands. And in order for the devil to touch Job, he had to have God's permission. God picked the fight, and he said, Hast thou considered my servant Job? And he said, Yes, but you got a hedge about him. So listen, God has to grant the devil permission to do something to me. And sometimes God picks a fight with the devil. Amen? Because maybe God sees something in me and you, and he says, there's a little tarnish on his gold. I want to shine it up a little bit, so let's put him in the fire and burn some of that dross off. And I'm going, oh God, why'd you do that? He says, because I'm having trouble seeing my face and my reflection and my glory in your life, so I'm going to put you in the fire and I'm going to let it burn and purge you. So when I look at you, I can see my reflection. You understand what I'm saying? And God will pick a fight with the devil to put us. And Job said, when I come out of this thing, I'm going to come forth as gold. Amen. Count it all joy. Amen. <laughs> Talking about the trial of your faith. I don't like the idea of that. But God, listen, nothing can touch me. And God knows. Listen, there's no principality. There's no power. There's nothing that can touch me unless God grants them permission to enter into my life. You think God allows somebody driving down the road and they get T-boned? That surprise is gone. And that next thing you know, one of his children are in a wheelchair. You think Amy Foster laying in a wheelchair up there with a broke neck took God by surprise? He could have prevented that. But he allowed that and the glory and the prayers and the faith and the blessings. And that, listen, she may be hindered and hurt. They may be going through a lot, but there is something spiritually going on that God has allowed to happen I can't comprehend. That's in a realm that I can't get a hold of. But that's a realm where you step out and say, God, I simply trust you. You make no mistakes. You're a good, great God. And you'll see me through this valley. You'll make this trial a blessing. I know that somehow it's going to work out to your glory. And man, when you begin to start heaping praise upon God, that just burns the devil and his crowd. And it just makes atheists cuss and spit. Amen. Listen, they can't handle it when bad things happen in a Christian's life and they take it good. Amen. Can't handle that. Listen, I am hidden. You are hidden. And God must have, or the devil must have permission from God to touch you. He can't touch your finances. He can't touch your thoughts. He can't touch your life. God's got to grant it. Promotion doesn't come from the east or from the west or from the south, but from where? Listen, my finances, amen, ain't my boss's problem. Ain't the, ain't the issue of how hard I work. It's how much he blesses. And I can give it all away and God say, hey, stupid, I only gave you so much to work with, you, you shouldn't give it all away. He'd do that? Yeah, he could do that. Because you know what? A lot of these preachers that they wind up giving it all for, they're living high in the hog while everybody else is giving it away. They need to practice what they preach, don't they? Amen. My wife, kind, loving wife, amen, she volunteered some information one day and told me I had a fault in giving. 
Thank you for that. I appreciate that. <laughs> Amen. But you know what? I want to try to. I want to try to keep putting treasure over there and keep being a blessing. I want to test him. Right? He's always put me to test. You ever thought about testing God? You ever thought about it? He said, prove me now. Herewith. You ever prove God? God, I'm going to put you to test. God, you said if I do this, you do that. I'm putting you to test. Hmm. Isn't that what Gideon did? Huh? Didn't he throw out a fleece out there? He said, God, you want me to do this? I'll do that. And then he said, Lord, don't be mad and angry with me, but let it be the other way around tonight. He put, he put God to test. Listen, God's not, a, God's not opposed to you questioning him and putting him to the test. Sometimes that's a step of faith. Amen. 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 You know what? Hey, God, Jacob stayed up all night and wrestled with you. I'm going to stay up all night and I'm going to pray and I'm going to wrestle with you because I want power with you. And Lord, I'm going I'm to stay up all night and I'm going to lose sleep. You know why? Because I'm going to spend time with you that I might get your power. And you might get done at the end of the night. You might get a crick in your neck. You might fall asleep. And God might say, well, I did that for Jacob, not you, but I appreciate spending time with you. He may not give you an ounce of prayer, but I'll or ounce of power, but you'll have a blessing. Trying to spend time and draw closer to him. He said, draw nigh to me and I will what? Draw nigh to you. Amen. Somebody said, well, that's to the Jew and the trib. I, I want to practice that one. Amen. I believe. Submit yourself therefore unto God. How can you go wrong with that? Right? Resist the devil. Submit yourself therefore unto God. Resist the devil and he'll flee. Oh, I like that. Amen. How to get rid of the devil? Submit to God. And then resist him when he shows, resist the devil when he shows up. Amen. Listen, that's submitting to God's our attitude. An attitude towards God. God, you're in control. I yield myself to you, God. I just surrender all. I just melt like butter before your feet in the microwave, God. I just submitted whatever you want, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, God. I'm just here. That's submission. Boy, I, I think he'd like to. I think God would be moved and touched by this. Look at this. Look, I got somebody 100% giving me their will to do whatever I want to do with. I bet you God marvels up in heaven looking at it. He said, look at that. Look at, look at that, man. They said I can do whatever I want to do in their life. Look at that. They're yielding to me. I think that impresses God. Amen. I think God's moved by faith, don't you? He sees people, in, listen, over and over and over again, Jesus marveled at their unbelief and he marveled at their belief. I mean, he, he, he takes notice of those little things. Listen, I'm hid. And the devil can't touch me. Nobody can touch me. Nobody can harm me. What do he say in the book of Isaiah? I know this is a Jew, Jew. Amen. I believe it's uh, uh, Isaiah 50. Is it 50? It's not 50. No weapon formed against thee a prosper. Uh, 54. Isaiah 54, verse 17. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness of me, saith the Lord. Listen, spiritually that applies to me. Right? His righteousness was given to me through the right, the, given the righteousness of God. 
by faith, spiritual application, that can go to me. I'm one of his servants. I understand who he's talking to. He's talking to an Old Testament Jew right there. He could be talking to a tribulation saint. But I tell you what, that's a verse of Scripture that if somebody wants to pull a gun on me, I might be real quick to want to quote, Hey, hey Lord, no weapon <laughs> formed against me is going to prosper. Amen. Let that gun blow up in their face. Amen. Let that knife fall out of their hand, God. Amen. Right? I mean, they can do, they can do whatever. Listen, you mean you go in for a hospital and, and that surgeon slips with that knife? You don't think God could have stopped that or prevented it from guiding that man's hands? Listen, I pray for God to guide their hands. I, I pray for God's direction. I pray about who operates on me and who takes care of me and where God wants me to go and when God wants me to go and do all that. Listen, I believe it's important for us to seek God's face in all thy ways what? Man, they start sticking needles in you and putting blood in you and doing who knows what. Amen. You know what? It's the mercy of God. Priscilla was standing there watching her draw blood and she passed out. Amen. She got a little bump on her head. Not much, but she could have really plowed and got hurt bad. And they were right there, threw her on a stretcher, watched over her. Praise God. That's the last thing I had to remember going into surgery. Amen. I didn't know what they was doing. I didn't know they was operating on her. She could have had a concussion. I got no idea what that could happen. But it was God's grace. Somebody was right there to minister to her, to help her. I mean, how many times you ever had flat tires and stuff? And I mean, we had flat tires right in our driveway several times. I've broken down in people's driveways and places, convenient places to break down. I broke down some bad places. But for the most part, God's always seems to provide a way and have a way. Listen, they may be inconvenient to me, but God's maybe working something greater than my good. God allows things to happen. I'm just thankful that, that I'm under his protection and I'm hidden. Right? I'm hid in Christ. And then also I'm hidden where? In God. The devil can't get to me. I can't lose my salvation. I can lose my testimony. I can throw it out the window if I want to. Do you want to? I don't want to throw my testimony out the window. You know everybody that throws their testimony out the window is not thinking about Jesus? They're not thinking about but nothing but themselves at that moment, satisfying the flesh. Right? Right? Hello? Verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him where? In glory. In glory. What did it say Christ is there, dear, to you? He's your life. For to me, let's look at Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Is this, is this your heartbeat, Christian? Is this your uh, manner of life and thoughts? What's your, what's your thoughts today? What's entered your mind? Has this entered into your mind? Philippians chapter number 1, verse 21. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. That's a good verse. For to me to live is Christ. Is that, is that your purpose? That's a good purpose. To me, to live is Christ. I want to live for Christ. I'm going to live with Christ. Amen. I want to walk with Christ. I want to fellowship with Christ. I want to know Christ. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. Amen. It's all about Him. It's a personal relationship. I have an obsession with the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have a love fest going on with him. Listen, my wife 
Amen. Has known. I read it Sam Gibbs' letter. He wrote it, but this is what I told my wife. She'll never be number one. Sam Gipp just recently wrote a letter, been married 46 years to Kathy Gipp, and says, I'll never be able to love you with all my heart because you'll always be number two. Nice. You, know what, you, know what, you know what Kathy said? That's all right. As long as you know how I'll always be, num or you'll always be number two. That we both love the Lord Jesus Christ supremely above you, each other. And that's what I told her. I said, you'll always be second place because I'm never going to allow you to come between me and him. Amen. And that's what she expects. I, I would dare. I would never want to come in between her and God. I respect her time in prayer. I respect her time in Bible study. I expect her fellowship with God and her walk with God. I believe she knows God and walks with God. Amen. I believe. Listen, she's got a sign that we found. It's right there next to the stove. This is my beloved. This is my friend. It's about a song out of Song of Solomon. And that Jesus Christ is her friend. Amen. Jesus Christ is her dearest friend, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Amen. And that's the way I would expect her to have it. Listen, she's not jealous over me getting along with God to spend time with God and get to know God. Amen. But if I start putting a person ahead of her, then she'll have an issue. <laughs> Amen. And Lord will, that'll never happen. Amen. And Lord will, and the kids will never come between mommy and me. Amen. Amen. We love our children dearly, but they don't come ahead of mama. Amen? And I don't come ahead of them. Or they don't come ahead of me. Right? It's probably true the other way around. Amen? But listen, for me to live is Christ. Some people is, for me to go shopping is life. For me to go fishing is life. For me to go hunting is life. For me to watch NASCAR is life. For me to golf is life. That shouldn't be the way it is. For me to earn a buck is life. Listen, I had to learn something real hard. For me to live is to preach. Man, I love preaching. That's a gift by God that he gave me. And I had to give that back to God. You talk about a tough time in prayer. When I loved to preach so much, and I wanted to preach so bad, and I was willing to go everywhere, somewhere, I had to begin to re-examine my love for preaching. Was that all about self? Is that all about cliff, self-promotion? And I turned around and I humbly gave preaching back to God. I said, God, you called me, but I don't want to love preaching more than you. I don't want preaching to come between me and you. I don't want to desire preaching more than you. God, I don't want nothing more than you. And I don't want the calling that you've placed upon me to become the driving force in my life. I want Christ to drive me. I want Christ to be everything to me, not, not his work. I love his work. I love the things that he wants. I'm glad that he asked me to be part of his work. But his work is not him. Gary Lutrick said it like this. As he's a preacher, and he preached about the Ark of the Covenant being taken over there in the book of Samuel. And when the Ark of the Covenant was taken, his daughter-in-law gave birth. And when she gave birth, they had a son they called him Ichabod. They're saying, the glory of God has departed. The Ark was taken. Her father-in-law and two sons were dead. Amen. And uh, Eli and his two sons died. And uh, they said the Ark was taken. And a little boy was born named Ichabod. Meaning the glory of God departed. And he said, you know what happened to Israel? He said they fell in love with the Ark instead of the God of the Ark. And he goes, why? And man, you talk about a message. 
And then he got up and he said, yeah, we're a bunch of King James Bible believers. We love the King James Bible more than we love the God of the King James Bible. And he said, yeah. And he said, he was up at Chuck Colson's, the guy that preaches on the crucified life. And he said, yeah, we're in love with our crucified life. Not the God of our crucified life. He said, yeah, we're all for homeschooling standards, but the standards become the God instead of us loving the God of the standards. Man, I'm telling you, he, that whole tent was packed out, and man, there's people out, there's no room at the altar. That old boy preached a message and a half. And that thing stuck with me. I don't want nothing that I love that's good to come in between me and God. I don't want God's work. I don't want soul winning. I don't want tithing. I don't want giving. I don't want shouting. I don't want praying. I don't want Bible study. I don't want Bible reading. Nothing come between me and Him. Christ is my life, not church. Christ is my life, not prayer. Christ is my life, not giving. Christ is my life, not preaching. Christ is my life. Amen. Listen, that, that's a big thing. Look at what he says, verse 20. According to my earnest expectation and my hope, and in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be life or by death. Listen, he, he's taking his hands off his life, and he said, you know whatever happens to me doesn't matter. All I know is I'm sold out to him. I'm in love with him. And whatever happens, happens. Why? For to me to be, live as Christ, to die is gain. He said, hey, man, the benefit for me is to go to glory. He said, I'm walking with him down here. I'm going to walk with him up there, but I'm walking with him. Then he says, verse 22, But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, yet I choose not what I, or I, I shall not choose what I want not. Yet what sh I shall choose I want not. It means I know not. He said, I don't know. He said, this is, this is what's happening. What? I'm in bonds. Why? For the furtherance of the gospel. And you know what? Many brethren are waxing strong in the Lord because I'm in bonds and I'm still serving God. And he says, there's a bunch of people preaching Christ of contention, supposing to add something to me, but you know what? Christ be preached. Amen. Praise God, Christ is preached. He said, I'm just serving God, and if jail and chains and bonds and all this is for the defense of the gospel, amen. Because I ain't going to choose the outcome. He said, all I know is this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm leaving the outcome up to God. Whatever God wants, find me. I'm just going to serve Christ. <laughs> what an attitude. How do you defeat a man like that? That guy ain't going to be defeated. He ain't going to be sitting around sucking his thumb. He just knows whatever, he's sold out to God. Whatever happens, happens. Let the chips fall where they may. I'm serving God. Man, what a preacher. That's a good pattern. That's a good example. Verse 23, for I'm a straight betwixt two. We would say between two. Betwixt two, having a desire to part. Yeah, I want to go be with Jesus. I want the rapture to happen. But... Or and to be with Christ, which is what? Far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for what? You. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. Paul said, you know what? God's keeping me around here to help you, to help strengthen you, guide you, direct you, teach you. Amen. And that's, that's fine. I'll, I'll settle for that. I'll live for that. God, I want to be with you more than anything in this world, but there's people you want me to help and minister to and talk to. So you know what, God? If this is it, this is it. You know what Paul did when he was in jail? He said, hey, come here. Start writing. 
and he began to dictate and he wrote 13 books. Amen? Maybe 14. But you know what? He, 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 he panned some things down. He got some thoughts together and we're being blessed by him today. Why? Because he just let it all go and he said, let wherever the chips fall, they fall. I'm going to do what I can do, where I can do it. And God turned around and used these letters he used to encourage saints. He said, you know, I'm behind bars, but I'm going to send a letter to so-and-so and I'm going to encourage them. And there's a group of believers over here and I'm going to send a letter to them. And there's somebody over here that I love and they care about me and I'm going to send something to them. And he began to recognize people and tell people that, hey, I know you're praying for me and I know you're over there and I, you're a helper of my joy. You're this, you're that, you're this. And he started telling them, why? He said, I may be behind bars. The word of God's not bound. I'm sold out to Jesus Christ. He gets me out. He gets me out. He kills me. He kills me. That's better for me than it is for you. But as long as I'm here, I realize I got a responsibility to help you. Yeah. Man, what a preacher. What an idea. Christ who is our life. And Paul wanted everybody to know, hey, he's mine. He keeps bragging about that. Number two. Let's go to Romans chapter one. Romans chapter 1. Christ is our life. Verse 1, Paul, servant of Jesus Christ. Isn't that a blessing? <laughs> a servant. Boy, that, that's, that's, that's a humble statement. Called to be an apostle. Separated unto the gospel of God. Listen, a lot of preachers put emphasis on separating from. Yeah. But what are we separated on to? Amen. There we go. Yeah. Amen. Okay. You gave up your rock and roll, but now what are you listening to? Yeah. You gave up your country western, now what are you, what are you listening to? Yeah. See? It's just as much important as what you separate to and what, than, as what you leave behind. Amen. Right? Verse 2 which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Thank God they're holy. And thank God we got promises in them. Verse 3, concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Jesus Christ is our Lord. Not just my Lord, but he's our Lord. Not only is he our life, but he's our Lord. Let me ask you a question. There's contention out there. Is he just your Savior or is he Lord? Is he not Lord of all? He's not Lord at all. And there's a bunch of different groups. Listen, the Bible said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe you've got to understand who you're receiving. And I, got, I believe you ought to understand who and what you are. I think the problem in soul winning is, is people don't get a good identification of who they are. And I don't believe they get a good identity of who they're receiving. And they need to realize that there's only one person who can help them out of the fix that they're in. Amen. They're fixing to go to hell. They're fixing to be bound hand and foot. They're fixing to weep and wail and gnash your teeth for all eternity for their condemnation for being in Adam. Amen. And what they do is because of who they are. They're sinners. They're wicked. They're vile. They're wretched. They're liars. And they're guilty of transgressing God's laws. And they must realize who they're receiving. It's not keeping no commandments. It's not keeping the Sabbath. Amen. It's not coveting. Amen. The thing is, is you realize that there's only one prescription for you to save you, and you must receive that prescription. You must take the medicine, and the medicine is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe when a person sees who he really is, I know, receive him as Savior. I understand all that, but he's Lord. 
Amen. Now, you may not get that Lord thing worked out for a few years in your life, but He's Lord. And He wants to be Lord of all. And that's a process. I understand that, but it starts at salvation. Realizing who you're receiving. And some of these guys, they expect it so much that when you come down to hell, hellfire and Harley riding Hell's Angel and you walk away as a saint wearing a three-piece suit and a haircut and a shave, I, man, they're expecting some converts to change so miraculously. I don't think God changed them that quick. You understand what I'm saying? I, I expect a change. Some are fast and some are slow. And some people that grow slow may grow steady and sure. And some people that come in quick and, and they get right quick, they may go out just as fast. Yeah. But I still believe they must trust the Lord. That if thou shalt believe in thine heart, what? The Lord Jesus. He's our Lord. That means that's somebody that's superior to me and you that we look up to that's going to be our guide, our director, and the one that's going to lay it out and how we ought to live. It's his book. It's his place. We're his creation. We're his creatures. He's our Lord. Next. Titus chapter number 1. Titus chapter number 1. If you ever want to have fun with Jehovah's Witness... Have them read Titus chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Amen. And then ask them a simple little question, and they'll, they'll blow a circuit breaker, and they'll say, i got to go. I can't stand on your front porch anymore. <laughs> he says in verse 2, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began, but hath in due times manifest his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of our of God who? Our Savior. God is our Savior. Well, who is his Savior? Verse 4, Titus, my own son, after the common faith, grace and mercy and peace, from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our? Savior. Savior. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Read a Jehovah Witness Bible. Yeah. You got one that says God our Savior, and the next verse it says Christ our Savior. So Jesus Christ is either God or they got a counterfeit because according to Isaiah, he said, I, the Lord, is one Lord and only Savior. Only one Savior. So either Jesus Christ is Jehovah God of the Old Testament, or he's the greatest phony, fake counterfeit that ever lived. Yep. And put on a pair of sandals. <laughs> Amen. I'm telling you, I like with Dr. Ruckman's picture. He's either liar, Lord, or lunatic. Amen. And I, I'm just thankful that he is my Savior. He is our Savior. If you're saved and a child of God, listen, that's what a church is made up of. What? People professing Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And therefore, He's our Savior collectively. Right? 1 Timothy chapter number 4. 1 Timothy chapter number 4. You want to have fun with some people? This verse will really fix them up. Amen. 1 Timothy chapter number 4, verse 10. For therefore... We both labor and suffer reproach. That's what's going to happen in a Christian's life. Because we trust in the living God. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen, not everybody's going to like the fact that you believe in God and trust in Him. Well, I'm just trusting God. <laughs> They'll laugh and mock you and ridicule you. Amen. So what are you doing? I'm trusting God. Amen. Who is the Savior of who? All men. Do all men get saved? No, but he's the only Savior and hope they got. Especially they which what? 
believe. <laughs> Amen. That's, I love it. I love that verse right there, man. They can't handle that verse. Right? Amen. Amen. Listen, I, I tell you what, I love it. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 1 while we're in Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter number 1. Christ is our Lord. Christ is our Savior. Christ is our life. Verse 1, 1 Timothy 1, 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior. Boy, ain't that something. And Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. Amen. He is my hope. Amen. You need hope? Take Jesus. He is our hope. I, he, 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 he defeated death. He defeated hell. Defeated the grave. Amen. He's coming back. He's my hope. I have a hope for a new body. I have a hope to live forever. I have a hope that all my sins are gone like he promised. I have a hope, amen, that one day I'm going to rule and reign with him like he promised. Listen, he is my hope. Amen. Right. amen. I don't put hope in what the brethren say. Yeah. Amen. They're just men. Like Dax Tobey always says, I'm just a man at best. <laughs> That's it. Amen. And man at best is what? All together? Vanity. vanity. <laughs> That's man at his best state. Yeah. Amen. I can't imagine him at his worst. Whew. Amen. Christ, which is our hope. I'm glad he's my hope. Amen. He is my hope. What can make me go on? What can make me stand? What can make me weather the storm? It's him. It's him. He's my hope. Amen. I have a divine expectation. I ain't looking towards the east. I'm looking toward the north. Right? He's coming from the north. I believe he's coming in the clouds. Amen. I love it. Every now and then a storm will blow by and you'll see one of these big cumulus nimbus clouds that look like an island up there. Amen. You'll see that thing with the sun shining on it and it just looks like it's radiating and glorying and it just looks like a flat island coming at you. I said, there it is. That's the cloud. He's coming back. I know he's going to call us up there. Keep looking. Guess what? He's coming. Amen. He doesn't come. I wonder what he thinks about when I think of that kind of stuff, I look up there and say, maybe he's going to come right there. Boy, look at that glory. Man, I, you just almost feel like you hear the angels singing. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Right? The old ship is on. Step on board. <laughs> I like that old song. I get to thinking about that cloud just coming by and him calling us up in the clouds. We're going to meet him in the clouds in the air. Amen. Well, I can't wait. That's my hope. That's a blessed hope. And glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes, amen. Ephesians chapter number 2. Ephesians chapter number 2. Amen. Ephesians chapter number 2. Our life, our Lord, our Savior. Amen. Our hope. <laughs> Verse 12, but at that time you're without Christ, have, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers, amen, from the covenants of promise, having no hope, without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh how? By the blood of Christ. The of Christ. Hallelujah, the blood, amen, gave me access into his presence. Help me get close to him. Verse 14, for he is our peace. Amen. <laughs> Listen, he made peace through the blood of his cross. Amen. And I have peace not only with God, but I have the peace of God. Yeah. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. The war's over. 
Listen, my problem with soul winning is there ain't much war with the sinner between him and God. He don't know that he's at odds with God and that God's at odds with him. And he must know that God's wrath is abiding on him and he's condemned and God sees him as a transgressor and he's going to put in hell. God's got a warrant out for his arrest. What happens to people that know they got a warrant out for their arrest? They <laughs> They're runners, amen, and they run. And usually it causes a wreck. And usually they ruin their life and other people's lives before they get caught and put in handcuffs and then put behind bars. What'd you run for? Well, I had an expired life. <laughs> All kinds of stupid stuff. But there's people that run from God. And we're called, amen, as deputies to go out with the sheriff, the Holy Ghost, and try to reach sinners. But they got to see that God's at odds with them. And the only way to make peace is to settle out of court and take to God's Son. But we can't get them in a place to realize that where they got to battle with God and wrestle with God. I love it when a sinner sweats under conviction, grabs a pew, sweats, amen, agonizes, amen, all. <laughs> but then when they trust Him. Yeah. Oh, the peace and the joy and the love. I mean, Miss Susie bragged about it a few times, how when she stood up to come to Jesus, amen, how He infiltrated her, amen, yeah. and arrested her on the way down to Calvary. Amen. What? He met her in the pew when she made the decision. I'm going to go take him. Boom. He met her. Amen. Amen. Well, I tell you, I love it. Amen. The rest is a formality. Right. But when that sinner's under, under divine conviction and that sinner's wrestling with God and they're having that war, amen, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Listen, the war's over. When that war is over, amen, and the peace of God, amen, enters into our bosom and enters into our breast and we can pillow our head with a clear conscience and the guilt is removed. Oh, my soul, what peace. Yeah. Amen. But that sinner needs to get agitated. That sinner needs to get irritated. Amen. The gospel needs to be cultivated. And then it needs to be saturated with the word of God. Amen. Christ, who is our peace. Amen. Let's look in 1 Corinthians chapter number 5. <laughs> oh, man. One dark night down in Egypt. Yeah. A fearful time had come for a young little boy who was his father's firstborn son. Amen. He began to sweat and fret because he heard a death angel was coming through to take him and to kill him. And all he knew was a lamb had his blood shed and he put that blood on the door post and on the lentils and that blood was shed to protect the newborn. They by faith slayed a lamb, a substitute in his place and that little firstborn son's in behind them walls saying, Daddy is everything going to be alright? Am I safe? And he said, Son, the blood's been applied hallelujah. As long as we stay inside these doors, amen, my firstborn's covered by the blood. Amen. And God called that the Passover. Yeah. 1 Corinthians chapter number 5 Amen. Verse 7, purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be what? A new lump as ye are leavened or unleavened. For even Christ our Passover sacrificed for us. Amen. He's my Passover. He's my lamb. Amen. He's the one that gave me the protection from the death angel from coming and killing me and taking me straight to hell and killing my firstborn Adam. Amen. Amen. I got the new birth. I got shed blood washed all over me. He is my Passover. He was sacrificed for me so I don't have to be slain for my sins. 
man, we ought to just have recess right there. I mean, think about that thing. He is my atonement. He is my Passover. God will pass over me because of Christ, because the blood has been applied. No matter how I live my life, that ain't what it matters. What matters is did the blood get applied? And if it's applied, he will pass over. Amen. Amen. The wrath of God was assuaged, was appeased at Calvary. Amen. My soul. That'll make a man want to stay up at night. Yeah. <laughs> Right? We ought to have a party. He is my Passover. That'd be a good good title for a church, wouldn't it? Passover Baptist Church. That kind of that kind of mess with some people. Parenthesis. <laughs> Amen. What about Galatians? Chapter one. If I can't make you run the aisles on that one, maybe I'll make you run the aisles on this one. Huh? <laughs> Right? He is my Lord. He is my life. He is my Savior. He's my God. He's our hope. He's our peace. He's our Passover. Galatians 1.3, grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins. <laughs> he gave himself for our sins. Not just Barack Obama's sins. Not just uh, Putin's sins or Hitler's sins or Manson's sins. But he gave himself for my sins and our sins. We were filthy. We were dirty. We were undone. He, he gave his face to smiters. Amen. He gave his back, amen, to be whipped and his beard to be plucked. Amen. And a crown of thorns planted and drove into his head and nailed to an old rugged cross. Amen. Where his bones stared out at him. His joints were all loose. Amen. And he's hanging there bleeding and dying. He became sin for us and knew no sin. Amen. That we might be made the righteousness of God. Look at what it says. Who gave himself for our sins that... He might deliver us from this present evil world. It's not just enough to get saved. God sent not only, amen, amen, salvation and cleansing from our sins, but he sent a divine deliverance not only from what we do, but where we go and what we live in, amen. This present world, this system, God come to set us free, not only from our sins, but from all the activities and events and the holdings and the withgoings in this world. He set us free. I don't have to go where they want to go. I don't have to do what they do. I don't have to dance when they play the music. Amen. I've been set free from this present evil world. This world's got no hold on me. Galatians chapter number 6. Galatians chapter number 6. Verse 14. God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I Onto the world. Listen, when I got saved, he rooted me. Amen. I have been ruined and root from this old world. He took the glamour and glitter of this world and he tarnished it and tainted it and broke it for me. I cannot get along with it. I cannot accept it. Its music is, is uh, just like uh, pain. I just can't take what this world's got to offer. Amen. I hated Jesus Christ. I hated the Bible. I hated church. But now I have a love and affection for him and his son and his songs and his people and his place of frequency. Amen. The house of God. 
Amen. I got a problem with this world. I got a problem with his politics. I got a problem with his people. I got a problem with his patterns. I got a problem with his palaces. I got a problem with his promises. It can't deliver like he can deliver. <laughs> All men are liars. Amen. That's, that's men that even preach in the pulpit. Amen. Amen. All includes me. Amen. I wouldn't try, trust me very far. Amen. Hello. Amen. That's why, that's why God gave you a book. Amen. Right? Right? God gave you a book. Why? God said search it. Why? Because I can, I can do anything. I can do anything against God. I want to live holy. I want to live righteous. But your faith should never stand on me or Dr. Ruckman or anybody else. Your faith ought to stand in the Word of God and the wisdom of God and the power of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. We're just vessels used by God to help declare some truths. Amen. The further your joy, the further your faith a little bit. And if I only get a year to deal with you or six months or a week or ten years, amen, I'm some part of your life maybe to help you on your journey. Amen. That's all it's about. Amen. Many help me in my journey. Yeah. Many help me along the way. Men have been helpers of my joy and encouragement. There's people that's blessed my soul and helped me, spoke a good word in due season. Amen. Fed me when I needed it. Gave me stuff that I needed when I, I didn't know I needed it. God already had things prepared for me. Listen, I was down in Louisiana and a guy in my church came up and said, Hey, preacher, could you use a set of steel-toed work boots? I said, I don't know. He said, Well, they're eight and a half. Red wings, good ones. I just don't wear them anymore. You can have if you want them. I had no earthly idea I was fixing to be a foreman building steel buildings in three months from the time he gave me them boots. And those boots were the exact soles I needed to stand on that oily steel roofs. How, how do you know that? <laughs> that I was, God was preparing me three months before I even resigned my church and came up here to Dayton. What I was needing, God was preparing me. God knew what to do. God knew what was going on. Listen, God will bring things in our life. We've got no idea what he's bringing into our life. And he's preparing. He is so far ahead of us. He already knows what's going to happen. He's already provided. Why get worked up about it? Right? He said he already knows what we need. Right? How about if we just go to fellowship with him? Just leave our wish list out in the car. We say, God, I just want to fellowship with you. I love you. You already know what I need anyway, so I ain't even going to ask you. You know what? If I spend all my time talking about what I need, we ain't going to have no time for fellowship. So I just want fellowship and love on you. Now let him put the pieces of the puzzle together. Let him fill it out. Ain't that good? Listen, he, he, he promised to deliver me from this world. Amen. I don't have to worry about this world. He just wants to see if I'm going to be willing to walk accordingly. I'll never forget, and I'm, I'm done. Brother Sandlin talked about that little elephant, that little baby elephant. was in a zoo, and that little elephant had a chain. And that little elephant was chained to a little post. And that little elephant walked around all day, kind of pull on that chain a little bit, and he stuck to that post. And after a while, they took that chain off that, that little elephant, and they made a chain of straw. And they put that, and they wrapped it around that post, and that little elephant had that on that shackle. And that little elephant never broke that chain. Because in his mind, he couldn't break that chain. Because in his mind, he was stuck to that little post. And how many of us have little straw chains in our life the devil's wrapped upon us that we've been loosed and set free from? But in our mind, we're still chained. You know how many Christians are still bound to things and people and opinions? You know, some idiot in our life made a stupid statement and got, got chained to some thought. 
and they set a course for our lives and said, you ain't no good. And so all of a sudden it comes with some self-fulfilling prophecy that we're going to make that fool statement about us become true. How many people are fulfilling statements of idiots tonight? Instead of believing what God said and trusting what God said that we're a new creature and we can go do it. Why do we got to why do we got to form and fit into people's opinions and thoughts? Well, all they want to do is cut us down and hold us back and and make us nothing. You're worthless. You'll never amount to nothing. You're good for nothing. Piece of trash. And we buy into that and accept it and that becomes our motto. Got all these little straw chains attached in our lives. When Christ come to deliver me from this world, this present evil world, He come to deliver me from my sins. He come to deliver me from society. He come to deliver me from Satan's clutches. Amen. Amen. He come to deliver me from people's thoughts and opinions about me. It doesn't matter. I can be all that God wants me to be if I'm willing to let Him do what He wants to do. Amen. I can go anywhere with Him. Amen. I was rebuked this week by Sam Gipp. I believe it was Sam Gipp. Somebody I heard this week, they said, you and God are majority. And he said, that's not true. God don't need you to make it a majority. <laughs> God's a majority without you. <laughs> I've quoted that and I've heard that. You and God's a majority. I'm going, God doesn't need you to be a majority. He's a majority without you. I said, yeah, that's good stuff, man. So I had to take a hit. Amen. Amen. I like that. Listen, I need God. And I need to get him to get real large in my life. And I need him large, amen, in my wallet. I need him large in my home. I need him large in my car. I need him large in my witnessing. I need him large in my preaching. I just need a big God to manifest himself in a mighty way all the time. Amen. He doesn't have to. He can get quiet. Amen. He walked away from Abraham for 13 years. I don't know how he, he liked that. But I don't want that. I want that day-by-day day fellowship. I don't like it when he gets quiet. I don't like it when he walks away. I don't like it when he just says, all right, son, I'm just going to leave you for a little bit. You're, you're in testing ground. I'm just going to put you in the test. <laughs> I just, gotta, I just, I just want to cross it. God, I flunk. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But you know what? He tests you. Amen. I'll tell you, I, I, don't, I don't like some of them. Amen. I know a preacher got saved. God's dealing with him. You know what happened? He's sitting on a park bench. He's in the Navy. He wasn't saved. But God was dealing with him. Somebody was witnessing to him. And as he's sitting on a bench, a lady came down and sat beside him. <laughs> and the lady looked at him and he goes, Hi, how you doing? He goes, All right. She goes, What's your name? He said, Patrick. She goes, I'm Jezebel. He said the water weren't cold in his veins. He got up, he took off, and he ran. The fear of God got in him. He got saved that night. Listen, I'm telling you, you just never know what might come your way. But he knew there was something bad about that name, and he knew that the devil might have sent that girl, and it ran him straight in the arms of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's a pastor of a good church right now. He didn't, he didn't end up that way the next day. He got saved. It's been a process. But you know what? Through his period of time and faithfulness, God allowed him to be a pastor of a good church. Amen? How? Listen, God is merciful. And God provided a way out. And he took the way out. And he's got a good wife raising good kids. We're doing a good work for God. Amen? 
Listen, I just want God's divine protection in my life from Jezebel, from Delilah, from anybody like that. I want all the protection I can from, from any wicked enemies like Saul. And, and uh, David had God's divine protection. Even when he fought a giant, somebody came by. Abishai came by when David waxed faint and took out that giant. I just want to trust God that if I ever wax faint, that there'll be somebody there to help take the giant out. Amen, amen, amen. He is our life. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. He is our Passover. Amen. He is our peace. He is our hope. He is our life. Amen. And He's my deliverer from my sins.